This is Jason Crosson from Crosson, all the way from Sydney, Australia, and you're listening to Rock at Night. This is Anita Stewart, managing editor for Rocket Night, and we got we're sitting down right now with Jason Croissant of Down Under's glam rock band Crossan. Jason has been fronting this band for years and the production is a throwback to the 80s glam rock bands. The band's presence on stage includes lots of theatrics, elaborate lighting, stage sets, and incredible chorus-like background vocals making for a very multi-layered sound. The band's latest album dropped last month and is titled Ready, Aim, Rock. Jason and his band were highlighted in our very first um, print edition two years ago. Um, so thank you, Jason, for being with us. Thank you for having me, Anita. And um, let me just kind of begin at the beginning and ask you um, exactly how music drew you in and how old you were and you know what were some of your earliest influences? Oh, wow. I guess first, first love was ABBA. Um, and I'm still like, I still sort of go back to those tunes and just the way that in the writing process, the way that Benny and Bjorn wrote all those counter melodies and there's so much happening underneath. So, you know, I still use that sort of style to, um, in, in our writing, it's just, it's just a lot heavier, but it's still catchy, good catchy rock um, songs, uh, pop rock songs. So, yeah, that was the first love. And then and then a few years later, well, um, I discovered Kiss and that was the end of it. Oh, <laughs> and yes. Was, yeah, and that's where all obviously the influences, the theatrics and the costumes and bringing that entertainment value to what we do and to the music, uh, that's where all that sort of started. So if there was no Kiss, there'd definitely be no cross on. Um, and then obviously a little bit later was all the 80s um, stuff, like your Motley Crues, your Bon Jovis, your Poisons. So that's all very much influenced uh, what we do. And obviously some of the modern day stuff as well. So we're sort of blending things in a bit and keeping that spirit of alive of entertainment and, and visual. People have eyes as well as ears, so we've got to entertain people. Yeah, it's kind of like that thing video killed the, the radio star. You know, once uh, MTV came on the scene, it wasn't just enough to hear a band on the radio. It's like you had to have that visual to go along with it. And now, of course, we have to have that social network thing that's necessary. And, you know, everybody looks at those numbers. Can you kind of maybe explain... Um, your take on how that has progressed and what are some of the pros and cons of the social networks? Uh, look, I think especially now with the stream, that was the whole streaming thing as well. 
look, back in the day, if you didn't have a distribution deal, you couldn't get airplay, and then it was a vicious circle. You couldn't get airplay unless you had a distribution deal. So at least now with things like um, with your Spotify's, although the artist doesn't really get much out of it, it gives, it gives you that wider network. And I've discovered lots of bands in the similar sort of genre as us by just being online and saying, oh, you might like this. And then I press the button and I visit them and I do like them. Whereas prior to all that, we would never have discovered these artists and it, um, we would never have been able to get our stuff out, I don't think, um, unless you were with a big label. So it gives the independents definitely room to, to um, put themselves out there and get exposure. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think in some ways it's a good thing. No more paper. Right, right. <laughs> the big thing was getting getting the airplay on a radio station back in the day. And, um, you know, when you watch um, movies like um, the, the movie about Loretta Lynn, uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, and how she had to travel from radio station to radio station to, to try to get them to play her song. And um, that now it's almost like the radio programming has become canned and do you think that's a big help or a big hindrance well um i sort of tend to tend to listen to artists that i like so the radio doesn't really play this you know the doesn't it did back in back in the day but now it doesn't sort of play the music that i like so i, I, I sort of enjoy newer bands like heat and crazy licks and and uh eclipse and there's no way to hear them on, on our radio station, but with Spotify, I can put on a playlist. So in some ways, I think it's good. I can, I, those who are passionate about a certain genre can listen to that genre instead of being told what to listen to. Right. And I just don't know um, how many people listen to the, to, the, to, the, to the radio anymore, commercial radio. I don't mean, I, I know my wife does, <laughs> but I don't. Because, uh, yeah, I don't want to be told what to listen to. Um, I want to listen to what I want, what I like. Yeah, it's um, now it's most of the younger bands are, you know, scrambling to get the Instagram numbers up, the Facebook numbers up. And, you know, the numbers are what's the numbers on the socials are what's proving to um, those in power, you know, how, how many people are actually listening to their music. So that's the big thing right now. So I totally agree with you. I go to Spotify and I use um, Apple Music, for instance, and usually it'll, it'll direct me. It's really interesting with the AI. It'll direct me into exactly what I want to hear. So um, it's like I really don't have to go searching for it a lot of the time. Um, now, I'm looking at this big poster thing on your Facebook page, um, and it's talking about the Glam Fest 2023. And I'm sure down in Australia, everybody is really getting into like the next festival season because everybody's been locked down for so long because of COVID. Can you tell me a little bit about the festival circuit down in Australia and um, maybe how it differs from what's happening in the US and Great Britain? Oh, first of all, it's a seasonal thing because uh, you guys probably have your festivals in your summer. We have them in ours, um, which is obviously from December through to February. Right. Uh, now, with Glam Fest, yeah, that's perfect for our genre of music. I'm um, actually working with the promoter on that one a little bit. Um, 
Um, and yeah, it was just the the idea of putting together some of these um, nostalgic acts and and the new and the new wave of um, if you want to call them hair metal or melodic rock acts and pull them all on the bundle and and uh, tour the country with them. And we're fortunate to be involved in that, and I think it's going to be really great. Is so most got, of the... um, go ahead. Oh, so I was just going to say we've got you know we've got on the bill we've got um, Faster Pussycat we've got Wednesday Nineteen which you know is a bit a bit left of centre but it um, but it's right. all theatric. Uh, we've got Eclipse from Sweden, Pretty Boy Floyd. Um, oh wow! Tusk, um, for, and enough's enough. Um, and Sisters Doll, who are uh, an Australian glam band, who are doing very well, and ourselves are the main um, main touring acts. And then we've got little little. Um, then we've got like lo- uh, locals in each city that we travel to. So uh, we're really looking forward to that. That'll be great. Most of the festivals do they take place on the coast? Are there any inland? Uh, we mostly in our major cities. So it's uh, the east coast is Brisbane, Sydney. Um, and then, then as we go further south, it's Melbourne. They're our major capitals. Adelaide is happening. And poor old Perth's on the west side, but sometimes they just don't get the numbers. So a lot of promoters just don't go there because it's just not economically viable, you know, to fly a big entourage five hours and they just <laughs> can't pull the numbers. So it's mostly the four major capital cities, which is a bit different to, say, being in Europe or being in the US where, you know, a band could be playing, you know, three nights a week. We've just, we're sort of, because we're such a small population spread out over such a big island, um, we're sort of limited to those capital cities. And sometimes you might go inland and do a smaller regional, a, a regional right. run, but you wouldn't be, we wouldn't take a festival there um, just based on numbers. But some, some of the promoters will have, will put on in, the, in a regional area for some of these other festivals, will just put on one big festival in the middle of nowhere and people just, you know, take the weekend off and go there. So... Um, it sort of varies a bit. Right. Um, let me switch it up and head back to the actual music. And I was watching some of the videos and um, the production that you have on the videos. And I'm sure in, you know, live performance too, um, there is, it's really incredible. And I'm hmm. quite impressed with the girls who are dancing plus background singing. So, Tell me how you actually get the girls. Do they try out? Do you have just those two or are there others that fill in? And um, what are their requirements as far as vocally for you to select them? Okay. Well, the the concept from the beginning was I had this idea of myself and two girls um, and with costume changes and just to make it a whole theatrical show. Uh, so that's how it's been from the beginning. Obviously, people come, people come and go um, over the years. Libby's been with us for coming up to three, four years now, and Olivia's been there for maybe two and a half. So, but I've, we do have. I've got. I mean, I got backups for everybody because sometimes someone can't make a show. So instead of cancelling it, um, whether it's a guitarist or a bass player or a girl, we still have people in you know in the works that. Um, you know, if they're needed to be called upon and then they can do the gig, then we, and then we call on them. But generally, got, generally everyone's sort of keen to do it. But they've got plenty of notice. <laughs> so, yeah, we generally audition. So that's how we do um, how we've done it in the past. Or, or if they recommend someone, I'll know that they'll be good. Like we just had to replace a bass player and our drummer 
um, said he's got someone. So if it's coming from Kyle, I know he's going to be he's going to be good um, and easy to work with. So um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's all part of the auditioning process and and being able to you know to learn choreography very quickly and and get it down. And, but we, once they get familiar with the show, um, right? You know, they know. Sort of, you know, especially for dancers, I don't know how they do it. You know, they get shown a routine once or twice, and they've got it. Like, <laughs> that's why I don't do any because I can't get it around my head. Right. I'm just amazed that they can dance like that and sing at the same time because that's no easy feat for sure. And um, you know, it's quite impressive. So, um, yeah, I was watching some of the clips and videos from the latest album, and the one song. Let me go to it real quick here was, um, oh, I got to go to your album here. Fallen from Grace. Fallen from Grace. It was, most, most of the videos that I've watched are pretty upbeat and, you know, positive music, but it's almost like Fallen from Grace was, it kind of like had um some darker undertones in the visuals can you tell me a little bit about where that song came from and where were the what was the concept for the video well if you actually listen to the lyrics it's, it's quite an uplifting song it's you know um it just talks about you know you've fallen from grace um you, you can rise from disgrace you know it's still that uplifting cross on message that we put into our lyrics uh, but with the video, we wanted to go a little bit left of centre, do something we hadn't done before and something that could work live. So when we were sitting with the directors, we were trying to choose concepts for each of the videos and uh, came up with the Fallen Angel concept um, for Fallen from Grace. So we got the costumes and, and that sort of really worked. Like, okay, let's have, a, let's have the girls be possessed and turn us into demons at the end and... It's more of a visual thing. So now we're doing that live where we start our, we start our, actually our first show with the new set in a few weeks. So that'll be incorporated uh, with that. So the girls will come out with their, um, you know, with their fallen angels outfits. And yeah, so we just wanted something a little bit left to center that we hadn't done before. Uh, yeah. And then make it a bit, bit like a bit, a bit of a horror theme. Yeah, I liked it for sure. And it's right on time, you know, as far as for Samhain slash Halloween here. Um, right. <laughs> it's like perfect timing. Um, tell me, what are some of your favorite instruments to use? Do you um, do you sponsor any particular companies? Um, and what's your favorite guitar? Oh, okay. So, um, look... When I'm writing, it's usually either on the guitar or piano. And then once I start putting it all on, on the Pro Tools, you know, I'll throw in, you know, choirs and, and strings and um, whatever else I can sort of throw in and make to fill it out and make it, and make it sound as epic as we possibly can. Um, but, I, you know, it's funny. I just never classify myself as a musician. I just, um, you know, just someone, I just think I'm just someone who writes music and puts it out there and, and plays a bit. Um, so I've got my guitar that I use live. That's I had that tailor-made. Uh, it's like the Flying V with the lights and the logo and just to give, give it a bit more of a visual, a visual impact. 
Yeah, so um, we've not, not 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 so much sponsorship. I just I just I just been too lazy to go out and get it. I've just been busy doing other things. Like, yeah. Did you have classical training when you were young in music? Uh, I did. I was actually um, my first instrument was the piano accordion of all things. My father loved it, so I was you know the fat little Greek kid playing the piano accordion in his velvet sweaters. Uh, but I don't feel so bad now because, you know, I've learned the likes of Tony Iommi and, and Steve Vai and, um, and the Tommy Lee you all learned the piano accordion first. <laughs> I don't feel as nerdy. Right. My father was devastated when I said to him at a young age, sorry, after 10 years of that, I said, I'm trading that in for the electric guitar and that was the end of that. Yeah, because he wanted you doing something traditional, no doubt, right? Yeah, of course, of course. And, yeah. and many, and I had to ask that because many people that have classical overtones to their music usually start out in church or some traditional way. Um, so it's almost easy for someone that's got a trained ear to be able to hear that in the music. You know, it just kind of comes natural. So, um, so let's see. My next question, how has the whole situation with COVID bounced back and what exactly is happening in Australia in regards to planning ahead and being able to do concerts and people out and about again? Oh, look, everything's back to normal now. Last year, I mean, we had um, a heap of shows in the latter half of the year which were just cancelled and tours that were just cancelled. Um, we actually, our recording was delayed as well. We were supposed to head into the studio in June, July, and they had this rule of no more than you know, businesses couldn't open. It was like there's three people in a hundred square meter room. They wouldn't allow it. So, wow. So we, that was just insane. Just the just that businesses, no matter who they were, couldn't open. So, right. Even if it was like you know you've got a big room and you only got three people there with masks, they just people were just afraid of getting fined and stuff. So we um. That got we didn't start tracking until October, so it was a bit of a three month delay. But now, now everything's back to normal. There's no masks, full capacities. So um, hopefully, everything's everything will stay this way. Yes, that's that's what I'm hoping for too. And it's you know the concert, the concerts are are happening and the tours for most of the bands. And you know there were a few, probably very few bands that didn't survive that didn't make it some split and they're doing solo things now but that's very minimal you know there's not a lot of that so um what is next for the band and what is next for you um after this album like do, can you project like five years ahead or do you have some ideas to do something different uh, well, I'm always, I always work two years ahead as far as releasing material goes. So, um, because it usually takes a year to write and demo everything. And then I give all the, all, all the demos to the, to the musos and um, they'll head into the studio. So literally we've just started writing for the next album. Um, and then working with a promoter, one of, uh, an Australian promoter at the moment. So working on this glam fest and working on bringing some artists out and touring and, um, just building the profile. So at the end of the day, we just want to play to as many people as possible. So a five-year plan, yeah, hopefully we'll be um, headlining our own shows and playing to lots of people and, uh, and spreading, spreading, spreading our rock and roll disease. Uh, yeah. And 
Is it more difficult now to tour outside of Australia? Is it has it become really expensive or just logistically difficult? Oh, it's always expensive traveling and you know taking a big uh, an entourage to Europe. So it's got to be viable for us. But um, I guess in the situation that we're in, I mean, if we if someone can't make it, we can pick up a musician, you know, um, in another country and and go from there. So. Uh, if the invitation's there, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to make it work. And what was the concept of Ready, Aim, Rock? What was the whole feel or vibe for that album? Was it telling a story or was it just independent songs not related to each other? Uh, no, not really. What, what, the whole vibe of it, we, we couldn't repeat ourselves. I didn't want to repeat ourselves in the writing um, category like we did so Rock and Roll Love Affair, which was the album before, had some great, um, you know, uh, catchy rock anthems. But if you repeat yourself, you're just you're not you're not growing. So right. I've always had I've always had a um, admiration for Jim Steinman as a writer who did all the Meatloaf and and Bonnie Tyler stuff. So with a lot of the tunes here, you know, I'd be writing and going, okay, what would Steinman do now? And you can sort of hear that Meatloaf esque. Um, yes. influence in the latest album on songs like, in, you know, um, The Way It Is and um, quite a few of them, actually. Yeah, yeah, even United's got that, you know, that that Bonnie Tyler piano riff happening in there. So, right. yeah, that, that was the influence on this album, just to, just to shake things up a bit so you're not repeating yourself and um, and hopefully grow a little bit. Now, are you still going to be working with Dwayne Barron? Because he's got quite... Um a lot of uh, influence and creds for sure. So, yeah, well, this is the fourth album that Dwayne's done, which worked on with us. So he started off with spreading the rock and roll disease and then he did Invincible. So it's been, I think I was chatting with him the other day. I said, Dwayne, I think we've been working together for almost 10 years. Um, so hopefully if, he, if he's, if he's, if he's still keen to do it, um, he was really happy with it. He's even said, look, this is the best stuff you guys have done. So, um, if it's coming from Dwayne, then you know it's something to to, uh, to take seriously. But you know, that's always the pressure. You know, <laughs> you release an album that's better than the next one, and the pressure's on to release the next one's going to be better. So now he's based in the U.S. So is that um, does that throw kind of a snafu in trying to get music back and forth, um, or oh. with the engineering? Um, with the master, so Dave Dwayne does all our mixing. So we, uh, we, we track everything here and then I send it to Dwayne and then it's sort of a bit of a back and forth thing, um, with, with, with each track. So, you know, that sounds great. Can we try this? And, um, until we've got what, until we sort of come to an agreement and, uh, and then we move on to the next one. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's more, it's all uploading and downloading and. Yeah, it, he's just, he's worked with some incredible people. And um, here on my list is Alice Cooper, Ozzy, Motley Crue. Wow, just amazing. And you can kind of see that influence too. Yeah, because the first time I heard your music, I was thinking Alice Cooper, because Alice Cooper was doing the theatrics, really the theatric rock and roll back in the 70s before anybody else was doing it. So so that's kind of interesting. Um, oh, and I want to definitely thank you for doing the song. This was on your last album, I think, Week at the Knees for a Hot Brunette. So what, <laughs> is, 
So what inspired you to do a song about a brunette? I had to throw this in here. I know Sharice asked you the same question, but I am just, I was just so happy to hear that because nobody gives us any acknowledgement in music. Well, <laughs> firstly, firstly, I'm a brunette man. Sorry, blondes, but you know, that's the way it is. Uh, and secondly, well, there's too many songs about blondes. The, the beautiful brunettes of the world need to be celebrated. So um, I was actually, <laughs> oh God, I was actually in a, in a Bikram yoga class and our um, things just come to me is, and our instructor was a nice brunette and uh, I'm in some pose and all of a sudden I was getting a bit weak at the knees with all the heat, obviously, because it's a big <laughs> 40 degree yoga class. Right. And uh, that was it. <laughs> I started well, working on the song that night. That's funny. So you were inspired by that. Are there any other funny inspirations for music that you can think of where a song just came to you in your head? Uh, most of the time with the writing, it's just, that's how it is. It's just, um, I'll be walking down the street or in the car and boom, a, a chorus will come into my head and I just pull over to the side of the road, record it on my phone and then just, okay, that's there. We'll start working on it. Um, I think Week of the Knees is definitely the, the most interesting. <laughs> because of your memory. Because <laughs> of, of my memory in a pair of shorts in a 40-degree room with a uh, with a nice yeah. instructor, yes. <laughs> and we have to let people, listeners, know that this is 40 degrees Celsius, so it's really freaking. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, 40 degrees <laughs> Celsius. Um, let so. me just... Let me do, sorry, let me do my conversion. <laughs> yeah, because that was, that is a super hot room and it's, it's the Bikram and there's one other kind of yoga that does that too. So on a personal level, you're a Libra and um, Li Libras love love. They love their relationships. I'm also an astrologer and, and they love to be around love and beauty that's just like your your thing so can you say that your nature just naturally drew you to music what are the other things that you love as intently intently as music um well i love i love obviously movies i think the whole cross on thing if you if you were to throw something into into a blender and out came cross on at the other end it would definitely be um Kiss, the whole 80s glam scene, uh, Benny Hill, um, Lost, right. in Space, Lost in Space, Star Wars and Rocky Balboa. <laughs> so put all that in the blender, spit it out, you've got yourself cross on. That is, that's amazing because it's the Libras that I know. Actually, Sharice is a Libra also. Um, they, they love beauty and they need to have that beauty around them and usually it's a celebration of the arts but any kind of arts not just music or painting but all of it so obviously you like cinema and film so that's really really cool and that is perfect for a libra it's an expression of that love and beauty so mm. i'm also on the cusp of virgo so you know in some things i'm very uh very focused and and right this needs to be done and i get it done but on the libra side of things you put a you put a menu in front of me and i go nuts i just can't make a decision right right <laughs> so let me ask you this question as we wrap it up um 
and this is a funny question. So this is going to have to do um, maybe with 10, 20 years from now. Are you going to still be rocking or are you going to be in the rocking chair? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'm rocking in a rocking chair. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Rocking in the rocking chair. I think that's that's where I'm going to be. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Still keep on going until until I get struck down by lightning. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Jason? Well, just thank you so much for having me, and uh, we'd love to get over there and play for you guys one day. So, um, promoters, here we are. We're ready. We're just waiting for the invitation. Oh, I hope so. I hope that happens. I mean, even if you just do like a short south, south, southeast, or eastern seaboard. And then maybe one short tour out west, you know, you wouldn't have to do. I think that would generate enough buzz to do a second and a third and on and on. So hopefully, yeah, I hope they hear this. So go ahead. Uh, Yeah, we'd we'd love to come and see you all. So um, and, and show you what we're about. But in the meantime, you can, you know, if you want to see our, we've got actually online our, um, our live at the Orpheum concert that we did in Sydney. So you can see that now on YouTube or you can, or we've got it on Blu-ray for all the diehards. And that'll and give you an idea of what Crosson's about. And make sure that you all um, that are listening, connect on the socials on Facebook, Cross on Rock, and then Instagram, um, jason.crosson. And, um, Everywhere else where records are sold, you can go to the website as well, crosson.com.au and order music there. So uh, there's tons of ways to connect. But Jason, thank you so much. And um, we thank hope you to very see- much for having me. Yeah, we hope to have you stateside soon. So have a great night or a great day for you. <laughs> great day. <laughs> thank right. you, Anita. All the best. All the best. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com.